Creative Connectors, a podcast for curious minds. My name's Vicky Keeler, and I'll be chatting to the makers and creators who aim to connect and inspire through the platform of festivals. We'll be delving into how they show up in the world, why they do what they do, their journey, inspiration, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the chat, because who knows where these conversations are going to go. And if this is your kind of podcast, please subscribe, follow, share with friends, and get involved and give some feedback. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to Donna Sparks. She is founder and hoop honcho at Hoop Sparks. So thank you for coming on and having a chat. Thank you. I think the best place to probably start is for you providing a bit of context around what Hoop Sparks is and how it integrates with festivals. Mm, yes. Hoop Sparks is a business, I guess. It feels more like play most of the time, um, that is focused on connection through play and through movement. So what that means is or what it looks like is out in the world separate to festivals and i'll get back to the connection to festivals in a minute as it looks like um adult hula hoop classes hens parties kids parties um, interactive spaces at different events um, and places where people can come and have a go and not always be separate from the people doing the amazing things they Mm -hmm. can actually try and do the amazing things and learn um and roving entertainment again at all different events in all different locations and yeah I guess because Hoop Sparks was really born out of that passion around connection and play and sharing and teaching and because festivals have been you know my community and my world for so long it made sense that um, I would start taking that into those spaces and I think what happens for a lot of performers because they identify as performers which I don't as much um, I do now but I didn't then it's like, I want to be on stage with a DJ at a festival. I want to be performing and roving and da, da, da. That wasn't me. I actually just wanted to be with my community teaching something that was really special to me and really powerful. And so I started mm. bringing the hoop stuff that I do into festivals, mainly in a workshop capacity before anything else. So that's sort of where it all began. Yeah, nice. And were you an avid hooper from a young age? Was it something you found <laughs> later? I only found hula hooping as an adult. Uh, I didn't actually hula hoop, I don't remember as a kid, maybe the odd bit at school, but curious, given hooping is your whole life, like, yeah, were you doing it always as a kid? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like, my story into hooping is so um, not conventional. Like mm-hmm. when you talk to most hoopers, either they've done gymnastic circus or hooping from a young age, or... They've been at a festival, they've seen a beautiful hooper on the edge of the dance floor, they've borrowed their hoop and had this amazing experience and it's become their thing. And like none of those stories are mine. (laughs) Like what actually happened for me is I grew up in a tiny town where um, in regional Victoria, so there's like very little opportunities for anything like that. There was no gymnastics, Mm -hmm. there was no circus. There was nothing really aside from maybe netball or, you know, that kind of vibe. Yeah. And I wasn't into it, so I wasn't someone who was really comfortable doing physical things and like like throwing or catching or jumping or you know I never could cartwheel like all of that it just wasn't my world like maybe going to the gym to stay fit but it wasn't my world at all um and so then in my 
what would it have been? Yeah, I guess in my early 30s, I was getting really bored of the gym and I was in a really stressful job and a friend was like, I think you should join the women's circus. And I just laughed out loud because I was like, you're actually completely insane and ridiculous because I can't actually like that's not mm. who I am it's so out of my comfort zone and she was like yeah but it's a community sort of thing and it's community classes you don't have to know anything it's really supportive it's from a feminist perspective and da, da, da. and I was like oh god all right I'll give it a go you know and so I did and I and, and at that point in time to to do it there was a new it's called the new women's course I think they've still got it and that meant that you do a bit of everything mm-hmm through the whole term, a bit of everything, a bit of hooping, a bit of juggling, a bit of aerials, a bit of this, a bit of acrobatics, a bit of everything. And it was, it was really supportive and I really loved it. And I, I kind of really connected with that community and with this pretty confronting, sometimes scary, challenging, but really fun way of using my body in a way I never had in a mm. really supportive, playful environment. So after the first year, we had to choose... We didn't have to, but if you wanted to continue, the suggestion was that you would choose something to then more specialize in. You've done all the general stuff. What was the thing you really wanted to do? And I really wanted to do aerials because I was like, I'm going to fly through the air and like the strength (laughs) and the, you know, the grace. And I've always been a very clumsy person, but somehow that was like, I'm going to be this amazing. (laughs) And it was never because I wanted to perform. It was just like a thing I was doing. And some strange turn of events happened and somehow and I still don't know how because it wasn't when I was doing anything that I recall I injured my shoulder like a week before the class the next term was about to start and so I had to ring them and I was like I can't lift my arm like very high which means I can't and I was like so I'm just wanting the aerials class (laughs) kind of signed up and they're like yeah you won't be able to do that because you've got to really reach up and and they said, but if you want to stay involved, because I did, you can join the hula hoop class. And I was just like, <laughs> so unimpressed. <laughs> I was like, like this, this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> this was not the plan. And I'm like, flying through the air with such poison and grace versus playing with a plastic circle. And I was like, just, it was just not my, and I'm like, unwillingly continued because I wanted to stay part of the community and I wanted to keep doing some kind of circus and I went to hoop class and I sucked and I didn't like it at all and I went the next week and I still wasn't very good at it and it was hard and it felt like clumsy and unco and not very accessible even though the teacher was amazing and then someone in that class was like oh I reckon you'd like hoop dance and I'm like okay whatever they're like, come to a hoop dance class with me. There's this one in Brunswick. I reckon you'd really dig it. It's different to circus style hooping. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd be into it. And I went and I loved it. So I started going to both classes, but then mainly stuck with the hoop dance classes. And then, yeah, just kind of f- fell in love with it from there. And within a few months started teaching. And then within not very long after that, decided to quit my big grown up six-figure salary job and start a hoop business. Wow, a bit of a transition to <laughs> not into hooping to I'm going to leave my well-paid job <laughs> and I'm all in on hooping. Yeah. And so what's the difference between circus hooping mm. and hoop dance? Because I've actually been to a hoop class, but I, don't, I wouldn't know actually whether it's hoop dance or traditional circus hooping so it could maybe be a for... blend 
even. But like the way I think about it is, and it's it's probably going to be hard to describe in words, and I'm going to you know throw my arms around everywhere trying to explain it. But it's like, <laughs> but like circus hooping in my mind is, um, they're both very skilled. But circus hooping is, if you think of, it's it's more in my mind at least it starts out and as sort of almost more rigid. So it's like mm-hmm. these really strong lines. It's um, really clean tricks, quite static movement, often aiming for multiple hoops on the body, which means you can't really dance when there's... Once there's a bunch of hoops on you, you're just in it, yeah. trying to do the thing, maybe with one leg out here and a hoop on that foot and an arm up here and a couple of hoops there. And sort of those very traditional when you go to a circus and there's like one hoop, two hoops. Now we're in like, um, you know, someone standing on one leg and a hoop on their foot and on their hands and it's all like really wow factor but um lots and lots of drills lot like very clean very rigid train 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 to get the thing like much more technical it's i mean they're both technical but yeah it's a very particular type of thing mm-hmm. um where and a hoop dance there's all of these like more sort of flowy tricks and then it's still quite technical but they kind of join together and more freedom of movement and most hoop dance you would only ever have one maybe two hoops because more than that you can't really move with it anymore um and it's funny because even though I started out going oh hoop dance is my thing and I don't want to do that stuff what happened over time is I realized that I, I had limited freedom in my movement with hooping because I hadn't learned the really drills, 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 get the line right, get the planes right, practice this, do that. And so I did like a bit of a full circle and after a few years ended up training that more um, circus style in yep. a way and then kind of mushed them together. Mm. Yeah. And where did your relationship with festivals commence? Were you mm. an avid festival goer before being a hooper or mm. did hooping bring you into the festival Mm, world good question so i moved to melbourne when i was 18 and was quite quickly swept away and into the whole kind of warehouse party Mm -hmm. rave scene um which i guess along with that festivals yep and then when i was in my sort of early to mid twenties, um, ended up with like a pretty hectic drug problem. (laughs) Um, and to get through that and to reshape my life into way less hectic situations and, um, deal with addiction. Basically Mm. I stepped well out of that whole scene for a pretty long time, probably for about I think it was eight or nine years until I felt like I could step back into those spaces. Yeah. And then I did step back into those spaces and immediately felt at home and like I loved it and all of that kind of stuff. And then it was probably within timelines of funny things. It was probably only within a year or two that I was hooping and then sort of being like, Oh, Oh, this is like also a way that I can, um, Cause I don't take anything still like any drugs or anything like that and, and, or drink. And so it was like, this is a way I can still be part of and contribute to this community, um, and feel connected in this 
way that is like so um, important to me and I can share this thing and find this connection and play through a different means to what maybe was I'd experienced before. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so it was a pretty... Um, and I'm actually only kind of realizing that that's what it's become as I'm saying it now. But that is what it's become. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what it's become is where there was connection through, um, you know, partying and whatever. Now there's yeah. connection through play and movement and this other, other thing. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, festivals are a space where people explore lots of different things mm. and... I think workshops are a great way for people to explore different ways of feeling free and, you know, they may not feel always comfortable just signing up to like a course or something like that. So it's a really great touch point for someone who maybe might stand on the sidelines watching at first and then can choose to step in and actually participate. And I guess it bridges that gap of yeah, just allowing people to express in different ways and experience festivals in different shapes and forms as well versus it always necessarily being like a hectic dance floor or yeah. always having to do maybe what the people around them kind of want to do. So Yeah, and you're spot on. Like so many people have come up to me after a workshop or something like that at a festival and and pretty much shared exactly what you just said of like, I've really been wanting to try this for a long time. I haven't felt comfortable going to a class Mm -hmm. or, you know, like that environment, whereas like a festival is an environment that they're comfortable in. And so it felt for whatever reason that felt safe to try it in that space rather than going to a class in a venue with people you don't know and da 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 and you know, how good is everyone going to be? And you Mm -hmm. know, at a festival where it's already feeling sort of more, Um, like people can be free in their expression and exploring things and I've had people sort of share that they've been wanting to try it and then really digging it and whatever and then I've had people who have signed up to my classes and I always you know one of my questions is always where did you hear about hoop sparks you know what how did you end up in this class basically Mm. Um, and I've had people say oh I came to one of your workshops at you know, da 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 festival, and, and it'll be years ago. It won't be like a recent one. And I've been meaning to sign up ever since, and I finally got the courage, or I finally got the time, or. But it's it's sort of like, and it, it makes me think even about the whole workshop program at festivals because it's like, you know, and especially at the moment, I think with things changing and being post pandemic and budgets being limited and risk being high in terms of will the event go ahead or not for a bunch of reasons and yeah. da, 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 of going like which which bits do we skim like mm. do we cut the workshop program a bit or do we cut the artists like the visual art stuff or do we cut roving like where can we make these adjustments so that these um spaces that we love and we create in and we play in can actually continue and survive um and i think I think the workshop spaces, yeah, give, I I don't know, like give more than we realize or something because like what you were saying around like the freedom to try something Mm. and that's like at least the way I think about hooping and about this kind of stuff is people find freedom in movement and when you're on a dance floor, you're kind of moving in a way that is familiar to you often but when you're moving with a hoop and you're learning something new, you're often moving in ways that are unfamiliar, which Mm. then is challenging because it's like, I don't know if I can. So everyone's dealing with their own psychology. I can't do it. Oh, wait, I'm going to try. Oh, 
everyone's better than me. Oh no, I can do, I can do this bit. Oh, did, there's this constant dialogue everyone's having to navigate when they're learning something new. Yeah. And especially when there's something that you can, it's not like intellectual learning where you can't tell if someone's understanding everyone with physical movement, people can see if you are like, are you getting it or not? I yeah. can see as a teacher. So it's this whole psychology that's happening for people, which if they dive into something like They've left the dance floor at a festival, they're in a workshop, they're doing something that is like playful and freeing and challenging and whatever, and they're being guided to navigate that psychological space, which is just how I teach anyway. And then it's like, you know, noticing the way the mind works and, you know, if, if you're noticing that your brain's just constantly saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, like where else does that play out in your life? Mm. And what can we bring into this space in this workshop to make this one move we're trying to learn accessible? Yeah. What if we say, I can't yet? because I've given you the wrong cue or because I haven't said it in a way you understand yet or because you've only tried once and it's going to take at least six times or what if we say I can't yet which creates the possibility of I can and mm -hmm. what if you were to take that into your everyday life and what if like all these kind of using it as a mirror and mm -hmm. so what actually happens is they leave the workshop and they haven't just learned how to spin a hula hoop and a few tricks they've actually got a whole lot of things to ponder that they can then take into the rest of the festival or when they leave or whatever that maybe, my hope is, has somehow created some kind of positive change in them and therefore in the world. So it's like this yeah. multi-layered Well, even just, thing. you know, if you can think about if someone can come away from a festival with a tiny bit more confidence or belief in themselves, right, that's going to have a ripple effect in everything in their life. Just because you get good at say hooping or I don't know, singing, whatever it might be, once you build confidence in one area, it does have a knock-on effect. And so that's why workshops are so important because you can go on a dance floor and you can have a really great time and you can build connection with friends, but you might not necessarily always be learning lots about yourself or like finding a new sense of confidence. Not saying that people don't find confidence because mm. it will offer confidence some people, mm. even being in a festival environment, dancing in a new way in nature and mm. soaking all of that kind of energy up that's around them. But I think, yeah, like what you've just spoken about, whereby someone's going through a whole learning process that's guided and can offer them self-confidence in some way is really powerful for someone to take out. they don't even know that's what's happening. Yeah. They're just learning how to hula hoop. Like they're just having fun. It's crazy fun, you know? It's like this playful, <laughs> yeah. crazy, giggling, ridiculous mess. And there's these little mirror moments where mm. you're like, I'm just like checking with your, da, 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 with your brain and whatever. And the thing you were talking about, that ripple effect in their life, is what I like to think about, I guess, just from like an activism perspective. Like how do, how do we create change in the world? And for me, what's come up recently, well, not that recently, but the last few years is like, like I don't volunteer anymore i'm not on any boards anymore i'm not um, involved in any community projects directly anymore and da, da, da. it's like well but i've always been a real change maker and a real like really identified as an activist in mm -hmm. many ways so now what i like to think and i think it's true i think i don't think i'm delusional but who knows <laughs> is like if i can create a change in a moment with these people that are sharing this space with me and then they go out into their life with a slightly different perspective or a slightly different way of being or whatever, there's going to be, like you said, a ripple effect in their life, but also in who they are for other people and how they mm. show up. Yeah. 
and the choices maybe they make not directly but just like I'm planting little seeds hopefully they grow you know yeah and then what that means to their community because what if I don't know and I've, I've also had feedback from my students about this as well like they're like that thing that you said in that hoop class which often I can't remember saying it it just whatever and I'm like I don't know what you mean they're like oh you said this I was like did I? That's wise. <laughs> That's a whole lot of wisdom right there. I was clearly having a good moment. They're like, yeah, I want to let you know that that really stuck in my brain. And my friend was having a really hard time and I ended up sharing that with them. And, and I'm like, oh, these, these things, like these moments of wisdom or things that like I've learned through my journey of getting through addiction and finding movement and play yep. and reconnecting, these things that naturally come out through my teaching and my passion and my way of connecting with people is then like these seeds are planted that are then shared with other people. And then, you know, cause I'm, I'm pretty open book, even when I'm teaching, like if I've had a crap day, yeah. I'll be like, you know, I've had a crap day. I'm going to do my absolute best to bring the fun and whatever. And also if I end up being a bit teary in a moment, that's okay. And it's okay for you too, you know? And like yeah. that hasn't happened that I've ended up, you know, I've always just gone into like awesome teacher mode. But it's like, how do we create spaces where it's okay to show up however we are? Yeah, and well, to... it's leading by example, right? Mm. Like encouraging people to be vulnerable. And yeah, I fully align with the more we share, the more others grow. Because you never, ever have any idea how a word a sentence an experience of yours can touch somebody else and mm. impact what's going on in their life or like you say a friend's life so it's all about just yeah sharing and the more people share the more we all grow you grow as an individual and you grow as a community and like we don't know like we don't know what's going on for the person beside us on a dance floor mm. we don't know what's happening for the person who's queuing up for a coffee at, you know at whatever time in the morning or afternoon they've got up before they go to the next thing at the festival or whatever in life. Like we don't know. It's like if we're basically, if we're just awesome humans, <laughs> if we just strive to be awesome humans in every moment, we're going to have these awesome connections with people yeah. in every moment, you know? And, and then that, that continues. Yeah. Nice. Mm. I know that community obviously, as you've mentioned, was something that was quite important to you, even from the circus perspective, and you were kind of like searching for that. What is it about community that resonates? What does community mean to you? Mm. It's obviously connected through circus and through hooping and through festivals and events, but yeah, I know it's a, a bigger concept for you. Maybe if you want to share yeah. a little on what it, yeah, what it represents and it's... manifests for you. <sighs> The synchronicity is wild right now. Um, I literally just left someone an audio message before I came here about, I had this moment where I was like, I think I've realized that community is, <laughs> <laughs> like I just had this epiphany, um, which was actually really simple because up until, literally up until today, I feel like I'm about to go on a tangent, go a mini, go a mini tangent. Up until this moment that just happened today before I came here, which I'll share with you in just a moment. I think I've always thought that community was a bunch of people who had shared interests slash values slash something in common who had care and concern for one another, mm -hmm. just broadly, yeah. that sort of community. So when I talk about my festival community, um, there's, that's multi-layered. So it's like there's my festival community that are the people that I like 
you know, work with, hang out with, camp with, create with, da da da. And then there's the people just outside that that might be their friends or people that I run into every festival, but I don't know that well, but they're still part of the community. Yeah. And then everyone else who's kind of there organizing stuff and doing things and we're all sort of connect. You know, there's there's shared, there's a commonality, right? And I was like, that's what community is. And then today. <laughs> It's such a good question you just asked. Oh my God. So just before I came here, I'd been out. I was with my brother. He was dropping me at home and we're waiting at the traffic lights to turn. Um, And just the other side of the traffic lights, there was a bicycle, a man and a kid just on the edge of the footpath. They were screaming. They were all on the ground. And there was, yeah, it was hectic. And there was a couple of cars parked, like pulled over. and, And like, I'm trained in first aid but I'm not like a medic or anything and so my brother turned into like it was right near where I live so he turned and I said I'll just pull over I want to get out and just make sure everyone's okay Mm. if there's someone who's already there who can manage the situation that's great if there isn't then maybe I can help you know and like everyone was fine no one was injured but people were panicked Mm. and so I went over and you know it all ended up fine and I hung out with them for a while and, and when the guy and his kid eventually got on the bike and off they went because I sort of stayed with them for some time to till everything felt okay and he kept saying, oh, um, like, what was your name and, I, like, where do you live? I want to give you a gift or some kind of thank you like you've just been. And I was like, oh, no, no it's fine. Like, the gift is that no one's hurt and yeah. that you're going to ride home and have a really nice time riding along the creek. And I was saying to the kid, maybe you'll see the baby swans, you know, like whatever. Um, and I said, and I looked at him and just in the moment, and I was like, this is community. Nice. Like, that's it. And then I got home and I was like, oh, cause then I was like, oh, okay. So communities, cause I think about community a lot. I worked in the community sector for a long time as well. I was like, Oh, because there's also community like our location. Mm. I was like, that's not what that was, though. That wasn't just because he lived in the same location or suburb or similar as me. I was like, like community is what we create when we make the choice to step into one another's lives in some way. Like that's community. Like me making the choice to go and walk over and him allowing that because I just sort of said, hey, like it looks like something's happened. Is everyone okay? And do you need any support? Yeah. You know, and he could have been like, we're all fine. And he was like, wanted support, you know? So him receiving that and me offering that, that's community immediately. And I think through the pandemic that happened as well, where like Mm. the kindness of strangers. So I kind of got home today being like, community's like, it's in the tiny moments. It's in the actions. It's in these moments of connection. It's not one big thing. And then I was like, oh, that's also what happened yesterday because I was in the chemist and I really wanted to use up all my change to pay for something. And I was 10 cents short and I was going to have to break a 50. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I've got the money. I just want to use up the coins. And this man on a motorized like scooter wheelchair thingy behind me, he was like, how much short are you? And I was like, oh, it's fine. I've got the money. Like I've yeah. got 50 bucks. He's like, yeah, but you don't want to break a 50. How much short are you? It's like, oh, 10 cents. And so he said, oh, reach into the basket there. There's a little blue thing. And now open the blue thing, get 10 cents out. And it's all fine. And I was like, oh, thank like the kindness of strangers, you know, like mm. that was community in that moment. That's what he created. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, the community was the queue at Chemist Warehouse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it was, and then he told me this story about how he, 
he was like, it's karma, man, you know, like, I really wanted to taste pumpkin pie. This is a story he told me. I told you it was a tangent. Was like, <laughs> I love it, I love it. <laughs> I really wanted to taste pumpkin pie. So I posted in one of the good karma groups on Facebook that I needed a recipe or something because I'd never tasted pumpkin pie. And a complete stranger baked me their famous pumpkin pie recipe and <laughs> dropped it over just this week. So 10 cents so you don't have to break a 50 is no drama right Oh, he's now. just paying it forward, <laughs> isn't he? So I've had these moments where I'm like, like when people say I feel disconnected from community or I feel isolated, it actually makes me feel really sad because I know that feeling and it's horrible. But also I feel like it can be changed in a moment mm-hmm. by how we are and who we are anytime we're out in the world you know are we smiling at someone are we making like moments of connection with strangers which then helps us feel connected which then in in a way builds community yeah well again it, it kind of goes a little bit back to it's the ripple effect right like <laughs> i one of my friends eric we were talking about how when you go walking whether it's like down the merry creek or wherever it's like try and smile at as many people as you can or say something nice because it's bound to, you know, even if you walk past someone and smile at them, they're likely to smile back at you. And then there might be someone behind you who they end up then smiling at. And it's just like a chain effect. And yeah, it's the same, you know, that guy got his pumpkin pie and (laughs) he was like, I'm going to pay it forward (laughs) with 10 cents. And, you know, everyone kind of, it's, it's that building of confidence and that sense of love and kindness and connectedness. Mm. So people want to then share that and be like, oh, well, I had that really nice feeling. I want to pass it on. Yeah. So and like the being, thing. this kind of reminded me of this thing. It's like people's need to be noticed, not in a like, mm. look at me, I'm wearing sequins, which is totally me, by the way, as well. <laughs> um, so I'm not paying out anyone who does that. I get it. Let's all wear more sequins, but maybe a more environmentally friendly version. But that aside, it's like people want to be seen. They mm. want to be heard. We all do. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to feel understood. We want to feel part of something, you know. And when I was working in the community sector, I remember working with this amazing man. I was working in a detox, like a non-medicated drug and alcohol detox mostly people off the streets who would come in. So people who were experiencing homelessness Mm -hmm. wasn't all the clients, but it was a lot of them. And I remember this really experienced worker and I wasn't that experienced at that point in time. And they would always greet and refer to everyone as like, sir or madam. Always traditional, like no matter how they looked, how they smelt, how they, whatever, it was always sir and madam And I remember saying to him, like, I've noticed you do this thing. Why? And he said, because people, especially these people, don't get that respect. Mm. And they're so used to being invisible. And we had this whole conversation where it was like, when, especially if you're someone who's experiencing homelessness or who's a little bit outside of, or already isolated in some way or in some kind of minority, you know, whatever situation... Um, most of us, and, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone, most of us walk by. It's like we don't see it or we don't want to see it, so we don't look. Yeah. Whereas actually what that person, and some of the clients shared this with me, they were like, because I remember saying to them, you know, like, as someone who's never experienced homelessness, I don't understand. So what would make a difference? Like, 
what in a day, like what, what's a, you know, if I was, cause I was like really young and ideological at that point in time, if I was to like go and tell all my friends one thing that would help change everyone's life who's living on the streets, you know, what would it be? Like, I was really like, tell me the thing and I'll do it. Let's change the world. And I'm saying it in that way, but I really did believe it. And I still do believe that you can. And they said, if people would just meet my eye, this one man, he was like, it would make such a huge difference if someone would just look at me mm. and say, hello. He yeah. said, I have days where I'm invisible days after days after days where no one acknowledges me and no one talks to me. And it's like when we talk about community and the tiny acts that we can make, mm-hmm. you know, is there someone who's either experiencing homelessness or maybe they're not, they're just like outside, the, you know, the, sitting outside the supermarket with their little sign every day, like, do you read it? Do you even know their story? Have you ever said hello? Yeah. Have you ever anything? Because if you haven't, like, there's there's an opportunity for connection and community right there. And whether you think that they're a junkie and they're going to go spend it on that or whatever, like, buy them food. That's what I do. Always, I'm always like, what do you need from the supermarket? I'll go and buy hello. something. Hello, I see you. You know, hello. Oh my god, someone spoke to them that day. How amazing! Like it can be the tiniest things, and it's yeah. that sort of stuff. I think that's really shaped how I think about community and like what what huge change is possible in what is the tiniest of actions for all of us. Mm. You know, us being. I guess when I say us, I'm talking about those of us who feel like we do have community and connection, the tiniest action to bring someone in, if only for a moment, you know? Yeah. Mm. With Hoop Sparks, you're obviously creating your own community, mm. which is amazing. Have you managed to foster people who've also gone on to become like hoop teachers, like yourself? Mm. Like I'm imagining you know, that happened for you in terms of connecting with the community and obviously having teachers that inspired you and then feeling connected to a certain form of movement. In essence, you are giving back. You're giving people a community, a space where they can come together but also explore themselves and learn and grow. Mm. Yeah, I would say, I'm just trying to think if there's anyone that's gone on to become a teacher. Not that I can think of, but what has happened is I've had... Um, many students who have gone on to become performers, um, which is hilarious to me because, like, in a good way, but, like, performing, it's not really been my main passion. I'm not like, I'm going to create an act and da-da-da. That's not really my thing. But I've had students where they've gone on to do that, and I've even helped them, like, choreograph things for their thing. It's just I'm not doing that thing. Um, and I run a hula hoop retreat called Hoop Away, which is very much like community coming together. People who have never hooped come, which always surprises me, right through to people who've been hooping for years. And one of the things that I've created at Hoop Away, mainly because I wish that would have been there for me. Mm-hmm. Hoop Away was created because of all the things that I always felt like were missing at certain hoop events or I was always like, if only this. Or, and one of them was that most circus or hoop events have some kind of show because everyone's performers or we're doing something that's epic. So everyone yeah. has to, you know, you get up, you show your thing. But for me, I was like, I don't like being on stage in that way. I don't have an act and I have no desire to get up and do the thing because, well, it's different now. But at that point in time, 
I'd get up and and I couldn't do the thing or it wouldn't work or it would feel yuck or I couldn't connect. I felt bleh. And so at Hoop Away, um, the showcase night is so, so, so supported. And what ends up happening is, I mean, I, I, I get up there sometimes, which is kind of unheard of for me in those environments. But people who have never, sometimes people who have never hooped in front of anyone and they're at a retreat suddenly in a class for the first time and they've just been learning online till then. So that's already confronting. But they end up doing a, a little, just a little performance or a little thing that they've created. And so they're actually being witnessed on a stage for the first time. And that's happened multiple times or where someone's like created an act with their best friend just in a couple of hours in that afternoon and then whatever, and then gone on to perform that act at festivals or, you know, like these, these beautiful moments where it's like, we just have created, and it's not just me. It's like the people I run it with and work with and whatever. It's such a safe, supportive space Mm. for people. And this is the feedback we get is like, I just felt like I could be myself. Like I've never felt in any space before, which meant it was possible to just show you all of my weirdness or show you, you know, and to bit, to really be who they are and be witnessed being that, on a, I mean, the stage is literally, it's not, it's not a raised stage. It's the floor with some yeah. lights sectioning it off kind of thing. But to be witnessed in that way by like 20 to 30 people, because they're small, 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 cute events. And then they go on and do these things. Again, it's like putting people in the, or allowing them to be seen yeah. and then giving them the confidence and then that ripple effect and so they can they go, go. and yeah. so there's yeah two of my students are now like a roving duo and and they've just started applying for festivals and getting booked doing some really cute stuff um and there's you know other people as well that are also you know doing similar um and then parallel to that there's other hula hoopers who perform some who teach and i i guess because of my sort of businessy brain and marketing brain i almost act a bit like as a mentor or coach and Mm -hmm. I actually do as a kind of I was going to say it's a side hustle but that almost takes away from what it is but it's like yeah another part of my business now is coaching people around being a creative being a performer being a circus person branding marketing systems processes really you know getting everything really working so they can shine and I and I'm never I never have a sense of Oh, but what if I don't get work anymore? I just, I, I never have that. I, I, I just think the more we do and the, the more, the more we do, the more there, there, there is to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. raising the awareness of the discipline mm. so that more people can see, oh, how great this is. And there's more people doing it. And so if there's more people doing it, there's more people who probably want to learn about it. Yeah. So it's just a knock-on effect of raising the game of the industry. And the bigger the community, you know? Like, mm. my hoop classes sell out. Like, every time, there's not enough of me to teach more than I teach. So if someone else wants to teach, but they don't know how to market their classes, hell yeah, I'll help you, because then our community grows. And because of what hooping has done for me and so many people I know in terms of physical health, mental health, um... I don't know if you want to get all like foofy, woo-woo, la-la, like spiritual health and whatever. It's like, why wouldn't we want that for more people? Like, how mm. dare we be competitive when it comes to something like that? Yeah, I mean, like the competitiveness is an interesting one, especially when you think of performance or even festivals. Like this topic's come up a few times in that 
I'm a firm believer, hence the podcast, share insights because it's only going to make us all lift our game. It's only going to make people more aware of like what festivals can do as a platform and enable mm-hmm. us to get more grants and change the narrative like in broader mainstream with people around what they can offer. So it's this weird, yeah, it's a weird element of, I guess, just business in general right every business has competition but it's it's a choice as to whether you see that as a negative or a positive Mm -hmm. so I think it's great that you yeah see it as a a positive thing and obviously embrace people coming into the industry and and wanting to learn you've obviously got the business and marketing (laughs) mind which I think you're right in you know, people probably need that from a coaching perspective because there's a lot of creatives who maybe don't have that string to their bow, shall we say, or it doesn't and come maybe naturally. Don't want it? Which no, is yeah, kind exactly. Of why I've ended up an accidentally an agent. You know, people don't they don't want to go and hustle, hustle, hustle for the work. They don't want to do the marketing and the SEO and the this and the that to be known and to get bookings and then have a process to deal with the bookings and the invoicing and the quoting and the da 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 I love that stuff. Like, like nerd level spreadsheet love. Like, yeah. <laughs> you've know? had a few spreadsheet lovers on podcasts. <laughs> I am one of those too. Yeah, I mean, it kind of... <laughs> and so what's happened inevitably is like Hoopspark started going. I got more inquiries than I could handle. I started booking other people. I started building up my marketing around circus entertainment, not just hula hooping. Mm -hmm. And now I've probably got, I don't even know because I need to update my spreadsheet, (laughs) (laughs) actually, Um, you know, at least probably 15 to 20 people on my books who I can go and, you know, are you available? And then pitch that to a client, whether it's corporate, community, whatever, you know, sometimes some festivals, I know when Strawberry had to go one one weekend, then the next weekend, but yeah. I was already booked for Dragon Dreaming. And so I did the first weekend, got someone else to do pretty much what I would have been running the second weekend. And then that gave them the opportunity also to teach at Strawberry and to have that sense and in a supported way, because I sort of wrote the workshop for, for them, yeah. essentially. Um, and so there's this, yeah, and so now what's happened, again, a slight tangent, is um, because I love all the business and marketing side of it and because I'm therefore really onto it and easy for the clients to deal with, mm-hmm. without me meaning to, Hoopspark seems to have become an agency and I'm getting approached by, like, really big things. <laughs> I'm kind of like... Am I ready for this? <laughs> it's happening, so I better be. Okay, superhero costume, boom. Um, really, really big things and, and quoting things now that involve multiple performers and because I've got a background in like also organising and working on events, I'll be like, well, yeah, so I have a background in events, so just tell me a bit more about what you're doing. <laughs> and they're like, because they might be like, oh, we think we want a roving performer or two. And I'm like, well, just tell me a little more, you know? And they tell me, and then I get this vision, and I'm like, what we could do here is we could have an interactive have-a-go play space here, and then we could do this, and then just before you have that part of your event, this could happen, and then fire could... <laughs> <laughs> and they might go for it or they might not, but generally when I 
pitch bigger than what they've asked, they book more than what they thought they were about to, which means that all these other amazing performers and creatives that I know suddenly have more work Mm. and they don't have to really work for it. I mean, they've got to train and do all the things they do, but they don't have to do like what was saying, the marketing and this and that. And, and they therefore don't need me to coach them because they actually don't really want to do that part of the business. They just want to do the performing. Yeah. And that's that works as well. So it's kind of a bit of both, you know? Yeah, I think it's a mm. challenge for a lot of people, given the world we're in now with, like, social media and, you know, this kind of, like, perceived need to be always on and out there all the time. And it's not everyone's you know bag of tricks it's not what everybody enjoys and not everyone likes a spreadsheet or knows how to make a formula no exactly (laughs) and so yeah I can't I was gonna ask like what are the because you've not faced necessarily those sorts of challenges which a performer may what have been the challenges that you faced along your journey I think um if I'm really honest the biggest challenges for me has have really been around looking after myself in it all um from a like physically doing what I do as a teacher and performer and you know doing hula hooping and I mean I like expanded into giant bubbles recently because I thought it would be like a bit of a break but actually any repetitive (laughs) movement it's like I've made however many bubbles you can make in two hours and now my shoulder's actually really not okay it's like anything that you're doing repeated is really Mm. hard on the body and and I do a lot of it so keeping my physical health in check and dealing with injury like I've had what I mean I don't like diagnosis most of the time but I was recently diagnosed with a chronic shoulder injury because it, and I was like, from hooping? I was like, why, why are you labeling it chronic? And they said, cause you've just told us you've been, you've had it for eight years. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, it's not long term so, injury. It's chronic. <laughs> so it's like the thing of like being able to make time for and, um, afford like for a lot of people who do, you know, circus people, afford osteo, afford physio, make time to go to the gym to do rehab, not just training hula hooping and da da da. So all that side. But also for me, because Hoop Sparks has grown and continued to grow at a rate that I didn't I mean it was different during the pandemic, but now we're kinda all back. It's like a rate that I could have never dreamt of, actually. And particularly now, more like right now, this time of year, post pandemic, it's like trying to keep up with everything all the humans that i'm booking all the clients that are requesting things like it's it's totally quality problems but it's like i'm functioning on five or six hours sleep multiple nights in a row just trying to keep it all going Mm. and sitting there going and knowing this is unsustainable like uh, this is this is not okay you know like i can't do all the physical stuff and all of the brain strategy business stuff and and it's like and it's not okay to only have half a day off a week that's not okay you know so what do I then need to do to reshuffle my calendar or change my time or da 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 like how do I keep taking care of myself in this beautiful busy creative booming like like I love Hoop Sparks so much and all that it is and all that it's become for other performers getting work for people and clients and students and and then there's me going, 
this can only exist if I'm okay. Mm. Like, what do I need to do to keep being okay? So, like, October, um, I was like, that's it, line in the sand, I'm taking 10 days off, which means only two hours of emails a day instead of, you know, yeah, whatever. And, and then planned another chunk of time off. And then I've planned the next chunk of time off. Like, how am I going to manage this? And, yeah, just this week I had brunch with a friend who um, – it's really good at spreadsheets and has lots of events experience and whatever and needs some work and we've agreed that she's going to come on and help with admin oh great so that's a relief but yeah my biggest challenge has really been around managing sleep making sure I eat well especially if I'm like I mean I, I guess I can use the word touring but like when I'm away a lot for yeah. gigs and it's like in regional and rural towns going okay well what hot chips and so like <laughs> making time to prep food and prep this and take that and all the things that go around taking care of your body and brain and emotions and relationships and friends and family and social stuff and running this like amazing business that is part of so many communities in so many ways like that's probably my biggest challenge mm. yeah boundaries and making sure that in place yeah, and like not even boundaries with other people, boundaries myself. Yeah, no, no. I think, I think like self boundaries <laughs> yeah. is like probably one of the hardest things that people find to regulate. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I know that's been something for me in terms of lessons, especially coming out of COVID world. Like, we've got to remember we had like two years that were totally different to any other kind of period in our lives. And then, you know, things may have been quiet for some people or it may have ramped up for others. And then, it's not just like back to normal. It's like, okay, how do I get back into the swing of things? Mm-hmm. And maybe your working landscape has changed. Maybe you're working from home more, which has its benefits. But then it's also, oh, I need to set really clear boundaries on what that means now because my mm-hmm. home space is also my workspace and it's really easy for those lines to blur. So I think, yeah, when I say boundaries, like I'm fully talking yeah. about like self boundaries and totally. being clear on them. Yeah. And being able to go like acknowledging when you need support and knowing when is that right time to bring somebody else in to enable you to mm. be there for others and be able to grow as well. Mm. I mean, I was meant to have a gig. So I was booked yesterday for a hens party at one that was going to finish at two and I would have had to probably be get changed be in costume ready to leave go by probably 2 30 maybe three at the latest to drive to um drive for an hour to do a gig that was a four hour interactive circus play space at a community event that would have had thousands of people and then do a 45 minute led hula hoop roving set and i'd booked someone else to do it with me and friday night I was just sitting at home and I was about to make dinner. I just stopped working and I was like, I'm exhausted. Like I'd got so much incoming inquiries through the week, which was awesome. Like I'm not complaining about the work, but all the time it took to manage that and book people and respond. And and as a one person show kind of thing, trying to organize it all. And I got to Friday night and I was like, I'm exhausted. Like I could do tomorrow, but I don't, I don't really feel okay. Like you got to push you. I, th- I was like, well. I was like, I think I need a break. 
And then I'm like, there's going to be no one free. I can't get all of this covered in less than 24 hours notice. Like everyone's so booked at the moment. And I was like, you just got to try. Like, <laughs> so I messaged a bunch of people and someone was like, I can do the hens party. Sick. Here you go. Contacted the client. They were fine with that. Okay, great. And I'm like, how am I going to get this like multi-hour gig covered? And I just, and yeah, someone was available and that someone happened to have worked with the person that I was going to be working with before. They're amazing together. I totally trusted they'd nail it. And it was a pretty big gig and big client. Um, And I just, yeah, I did. I just reached out and I was like, like to, because, you know, a lot of my performers and contractors are also my community, right? So I was like, I'm exhausted. I know it's last minute, but help. <laughs> like, this is what the pay is. This is what... And they're like, yep, no worries. Yep, we'll come and pick that up. Yep, great. Send us everything. Okay, you don't have to think about it now. Amazing. Done. And they did it and they messaged me from site and they um, gave me a little update so I could completely relax. And I had a full day off yesterday. Great. And it was great. Sounds like you needed it. I really needed it. But it's like those <laughs> moments where you go... All of this incredible stuff that I'm creating and bringing into the world and I'm so passionate about, if I'm not okay, it can't happen. Yeah, you've got to make sure mm. your cup is a, a level point. At and, least half full. Yeah, at least <laughs> half full and, <laughs> and level. Like cup mm. overflowing sometimes can also be like a bit too much. Yeah. But it's like making sure that, yeah, you're you're aligned and you're listening to yourself, listening to your body mm. especially. So that you can continue because I think burnout can really damage a lot of people's kind of passion for what they do and it can just kill them and, and mean that yeah. they need to like take themselves out and remove themselves from an industry for quite a period of time. And I think especially in events, happens so much post-COVID there's been a lot of it. Yeah, you know? and so many good people that it's like, oh, we need you to come back, but also get better. Yeah. Take the rest that you need and whatever. And I think as well, like, I was just kind of thinking when you said when the cup's overflowing and then I was thinking about community again because it's like the cup overflowing can be really great to a point, but then there's, like, community that's like, here's my cup, I'll catch a bit of that and I'll do a yeah, bit of this, yeah, which exactly. is for me, like, what I feel like with the amazing people that are my friends slash performers slash whatever, they're like, yeah, I'll take that bit and yeah, I'll fill up my cup a bit with that and that's awesome. <laughs> But also that thing where you're saying really listening to yourself and also for me, which has been really hard, but I'm working on it, is listening to other people's feedback. Mm -hmm. So when my friends or my family say, it looks like you're getting a bit busy again, my immediate thing is like taking it as a criticism and being like, it's fine. No, I like it like this. This is how I'm happy. Why do you always think that? Defense, 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 but actually stopping and checking in and going, am I like, like, can I honestly say to this person, yes, I am and I'm okay in it? Or is this, like, if, if I'm getting that feedback, do I need to listen mm. and be like, uh-oh, that's happening again. I need to do something about it. And so being open to listening to others as well because I think sometimes other people can spot that spiral yeah. before I hit the point that I did Friday night where I'm like, I'm exhausted and I don't know if I can do my gigs. Listening to other people going, mm. like, yeah, I think there's. I was talking about it even with a girlfriend actually just over the weekend, whereby there's that 
I think a bit of a societal pressure as well. Don't want to say just like solely on women, but I think a lot of women feel it in terms of this need to be busy. You have to be like always on and like killing it and doing really great and being a boss bitch. And that's all great, go do it. But also know it's okay to rest and take time and don't burn yourself out. Mm-hmm. Like trying to be this thing that you think society needs you to be in order to be successful. Because mm-hmm. success can look like many different things to mm-hmm. many different people. It doesn't always mean busy is success. Yeah. That's such a good point. It reminds me of this, um, what was her name? I think she's in, I mean, I don't, I don't really watch many movies, so I don't really know many actors and whatever, and actresses, so I don't know how famous or not famous this person is, but her name's Viola Davis, I think it was, and she was interviewed on another podcast that I was listening to. And, you know, she's won awards and this and that, and she was talking about her career and talking about the challenge of being a successful, you know, gratitude for, for the success and whatever, yeah. but also the challenge. And she said, you know, and I, I kind of got to the next dream and the next dream and the next dream. And she was saying something around like, and there's this drive and need for success. Like, I don't know if she's talking about busyness so much, but it kind of relates this, you know, and she, and she said, and I stood there and there's the red carpet and I got there and she said, and I thought, so this is it. Like, like this is it. And also, but this is it. Like mm. this is success. And she said that, um, and I think she's written books and things. I, I need to look her up, but what she said that so got me because I'm so someone like you said, busy, busy, driven, achieving. Yes. Oh my God. I'm going to take pride in it. Like, I'm killing I'm it. I'm doing so it. Busy, yeah. I'm doing it. It's amazing. So much so that I often, and I think a lot of us do this. I, I often forget to pause and look at what I've achieved and forget to pause and appreciate what I'm creating. I'm just on to the next thing, the next spreadsheet, the next list, the next event, the next booking, the next whatever. And what she said is she's like, what I've realized that actually is, you know, instead of searching for success, she said, I think we need to search for significance Mm, and feeling significant. Like is what I'm doing of meaning Mm. and value because success is out there but significance and it's like i only listened to it a couple of days ago but it's it stayed in my brain and i'm like what if and i think she's right i actually think that where fulfillment really truly lies isn't in the success and the busy busy it's actually in a sense of significance Mm. well feeling like you've got purpose you've made a difference yeah and and hoop sparks is that and i forget all the time because i'm in the busy busy and in the success and the achievement and the whatever. And it's like, hang on, this is really significant. Like this mm. is important, beautiful work. And I'm creating this thing. Yeah, well, you're changing lives. It's, it's, and, it's, and in return, it's changed and continues to change mine, you know? So it's, but yeah, that, that's the significance. A gifting economy in it. itself. Yeah, it is. Amazing. So what, on that, is there a vision for what Hoop Sparks wants to be in the future? Can be? Do you just take it step by step? And I know you mentioned obviously the agency side of things and bookings, like that's something that has maybe just naturally happened versus you having a vision for it. What, yeah, are the dreams? Do you have a long term ambition and goal? 
Good question. Um, I feel like that. So there's two. Th- I the reason I'm hesitating is because I, for some reason, hate the word goals. <laughs> That's <laughs> and okay, it's, and it's probably because I've never really sat down and gone, "What are my What are my goals?" Mm-hmm. I've created a business strategy, somehow avoiding ever thinking of goals. Um, I'm like, "What do I want to create?" That feels better to me. Like, what am I? <laughs> um, and I've, you know, obviously I want to make enough money to live on and like there's the financial goals and those kind of things. But the thing that's, that's, I guess, my vision for what next um, is starting an agency, like not just, I mean, Hoopsparks kind of evolved to that, but it was only a month or two ago I started saying to friends, Hoop Sparks is becoming an agency and I mm-hmm. think that's where I want to take it. Yeah. And I was like, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to think of a name and I'm going to have to do branding. I'm going to separate the websites. I'm going to do all this thing and da, da, da. But often what happens for me is when I get clear on something and this is like the little foofy woo woo la la magic side of me, when I get really clear on an intention, it tends to start snowballing and happening without any action. It's like mm-hmm. before I'm ready. Right. So I was like, yes, you know, maybe an agency yes, that'd be very nice. And then it was just like within no time, suddenly getting like up to 10 inquiries a day and just being like, I'm not ready for this. Oh my God. And not just for hooping. Like we need an acrobatic duo for did it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. An acrobatic duo. Okay, great. What's the location? Okay, great. Um, like all these kind of things. And so that's, but that's solidified now in my mind and my vision for the agency, the agency, um, <laughs> is that I will, it'll get all of us more work. It'll have really streamlined systems, which I've just been building on the fly and testing and whatever. And this friend who's going to start working with me will be like almost my first kind of employee to run okay. that. And then I'm like, am I going to end up with like a building that is this agency with multiple people doing multiple jobs and maybe I don't have to work as hard. Like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. So that's kind of one thing, but that all happened and is happening parallel to me deciding um, a couple of months ago, maybe maybe three or four months ago, just before the agency thing really happened. Um, I was like, oh, I think it'd be nice to have more of an online passive income you know mm-hmm. everyone's like oh i want passive income so i was a bit like oh yeah whatever i'll move to bali um you know because that seems to be what everyone does <laughs> move to bali create passive income i don't know i don't want to do that um power to anyone who has by the way it's not a judgment it's just like seems to be a stereotype that pops up um, um so i was like oh because when i in the pandemic i took my classes online yeah and so i had zoom recordings of them all not the best quality, but they're there, recorded. And then I was like, oh, I might just stick them on my website. Edit out the students, stick them on the website. Maybe people will buy them. Barely anyone's bought them. Haven't barely marketed them. I was just like, it's a thing. And I was like, oh, but if I could build that, they're all sitting there. People would literally like go, $11, one hour class. And I'd just see it appear in my bank account. And they'd automatically be sent the link. Like magic, magic money, right? From something that's already happened. I was like, this is amazing. So I'm going to put all this effort into designing a marketing strategy and funnels and this and that to be able to do this. And before I had time to really do it, I'd literally just visioned it. Yeah. I started selling. The, the People started buying the videos. 
More. And I was like, what is happening? It's happening. Oh my God, it's happening. This is a sign. It's a sign that this is meant to be what I'm doing. So I was like, right, I need to test all this stuff and then eventually build an online learning platform that's separate to the website that then I can like market and have all these automations and then more people can learn and more people can learn from me and da, da, da. And then the agency thing happened just at the same time that I was starting to create that. So now both those things are what's going to happen in the next 12 months. Amazing. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're very aligned with the universe in terms of you have the thought and then it's like, okay, here it is right in your face. Let's go full throttle. This is the right path. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And I was like, okay. Well, I think it shows you're in alignment. I think so as well. Which is... A really amazing thing and all power to you sounds like very exciting things ahead even though ahead sounds like you're already in it so I'm sure it's only just gonna grow and foster and who knows what other avenues could even spring up during this time I don't know but as someone who's <laughs> never really wanted to be on stage it's bizarre to me that right now actually all I want to do is have someone else manage all of that and create this act that I've been dreaming of for two years now. Yeah, right. So um, you've done like a bit of a flip. Yeah, and, mm. and now I'm like, oh my gosh, when am I even going to have time to do this thing? I want to perform this act. I want to bring this to the world. And I'm like, what has happened to me? Now I'm a performer. Like, Because, I mean, I perform anyway, like roving and a bit of – but I haven't ever created my own stage act. Mm. So now there's this push-pull between like the business side of like everything I do and the – the work I already do in that and then my own creative practice, that would be another challenge. Looping back to your challenge question, Mm. not just self-care stuff, but what about my own creative practice with the hoop or, I mean, I also write. So like with the written word and like, where is the space for me as an artist in all this? Yeah. Right. And that's hard. Mm. Maybe it's because all of these kind of like elements relating to the business are just clicking into place. So then it's almost like you're going, your body or your mind, your soul is like, all right, so where's the growth going to come for me personally Mm. in another space? Because all of this is in alignment and it's Mm. working and it's just happening naturally. Mm. So then it's like, you know, we all like challenge. So maybe that's the great challenging space for you. And, you know, like I've always identified as an artist, like my degree is in creative arts. I've done visual art and I write and I did it and now I hula hoop and whatever. And it's like the whole time it's been a challenge of where's the time for my creative practice. And I've found things along the way, but, um, and created time, but because these two things now, like the act that I want to create and the book that needs to be written, they're both two of the biggest projects I've probably ever wanted to do. Mm. And I can't, like, I can see tiny windows for like, you know, I did a little project last night where I stuck all these hot pink Cupid dolls onto a cap and made this like crazy weird baby costume. <laughs> Half of them fell is this off the... part of the duo act? Or no, this, you want to create this, is just, this was just me needing to be creative in a moment. Yeah, got and, you, got you. and then half the babies <laughs> fell off this morning. I got a problem solved that tonight. But it was just... So there's like this creative being in amongst mm. all this kind of work stuff. And then two of what feels like two of my most important creative projects that have ever birthed in my brain are like calling for attention and time at a time when my business is about to... like. 
once the agency's rolling and once the online platform's happening, I feel like that's when I get time. Mm. Like that's when I get time back because hopefully I'll have employees and I'll have other people doing these things and the learning platform will almost do it. I mean, I'll still be working, but yeah. Well, that's a passive income, right? It's less. But it's like, I want that time for me as an artist to to birth these things into the world now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to do all that work. Actually, that can just wait, but it can't wait because it's happening, you know? (laughs) So that's, there's like, ah. So in terms of like vision, there's also creative vision and goals that are really strong and loud and. Yeah, I feel like they're like banging my door down going, come on, <laughs> we're right here. And I'm like, I know, just take another few notes and I'll get to you when I have time. Um, while all this other amazing stuff is is happening. Mm. Mm. I mean, total pun intended, but elements of juggling, obviously. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jumping through hoops. Like yes, there's so many hoops. in there, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely a theme, definitely a theme. Um, is there any kind of, I'm conscious of time, but is there any key pieces of advice or things that you would questions even, or things that you would like to put out into the world whilst you have the mic, whilst you've got people's ears? Mm. I guess like in terms of something as, as a, as a, takeaway for people I kind of have this thing that I say in hoop class to people when they're learning but I also say it to myself about hoop but kind of about everything which is do it till you can Mm -hmm. just do it till you can show up and keep doing it until you can because that's how it's going to happen you know so that would be one thing of like do it till you can love it um in terms of a question I think Maybe, maybe rather than a question, I'd maybe more like to just put out an invitation mm. actually of, you know, if anyone has listened to this and got to the end, <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> all my tangents, but yeah, an invitation that if anything has, um, inspired you or brought something up for you or got you curious about something I'm really open to being contacted because I'm sure that people who are listening to this are actually all part of our community. And like what I was talking about before, it's in those moments of connection and that generosity in connection that community exists. So I guess there's an open invitation there that if something came up for someone, if something came up for you, um, or if you have any questions about anything I've shared about my journey or business or creative process or festivals or anything, um, please get in touch, reach out. And so where is the best place for people to connect with you? <laughs> so, I'm on so many platforms. I'm like sitting here going, what's my preference? But the reality is, is, Wherever you find me and however you contact me is okay. So it could be Instagram. It could be Facebook. It could be the contact form on my website. Like if you, I mean, I I have, I I get contacted on all of the things. So great. Well, we will include all of the spaces and places of Hoop Sparks in show notes. 
I think we've covered lots of amazing areas. I have loved fully been here for the tangents and I think tangents are great. And I think we've, yeah, touched on some really fantastic topics. And I just want to say thank you for finding the time to come and visit. And uh, you're a close by neighbor. So it's great to get to chat in person and share your journey with HoopSparks with listeners. And yeah, I think you've had plenty of words of wisdom throughout the podcast not just at the end so yeah thank you very much for sharing your story and coming here and thank you it's been a pleasure amazing well that's a wrap boom (laughs) thanks for tuning in to creative connectors hopefully you enjoyed the chat if so please subscribe share with friends support the community and tune into the next one